Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. May 13th, and we're back with another episode of Destination Different. I'm very, I'm, I gotta say, I'm, I'm giddy, I'm excited about this week's guest. You know, when I, when I started out on this show, I don't think I had any idea what I was going to make of it, what it was going to be about, who I was going to talk to. I was kind of just flying by the seat of my pants and thinking, okay, I got a couple friends that I could probably wrangle into doing an interview, um, but today was a a big a big moment for the show and exciting for for me personally uh, to do an interview like this. And a little backstory before I tell you, you've probably already read the episode title, so you know who the guest is. But a little a little peek behind the curtain of how we got here. Um, so today's guest on the show is an NHL superstar. A multimillionaire, and I got him on the show by sliding into his DMs. You know, most, I think most NHL guys are probably used to, you know, younger women sliding into their DMs. Not me, no. I've got no shame, no shame at all. Dive right into those DMs. Say, hey, would you would you mind doing a conversation for this show? And here we are. An interview with none other than Kevin Hayes, uh, NHL star. He's a former Boston College Eagle as well as a New York Ranger and a, a stint with the Winnipeg Jets. And he is now uh, currently, well, at least when hockey is, is going on, he's a Philadelphia Flyer. And so it was an awesome conversation here today uh, on Destination Different with Kevin Hayes. We talked everything about how this, you know, Playing in the NHL was his dream since the time he was three years old. How his teachers growing up were telling him he's got to stop writing about the NHL because it's an unrealistic dream. And you know now he's he's living proof of of kind of chasing after those dreams. And so we talked about everything from that transition of kind of being a professional, uh, learning the ways of of the league, and and kind of how to. Not only behave yourself, but also kind of take care of your body, take care of yourself mentally. Um, so there's a lot that went into that. We talked a little bit about um, his stint in in each of these different cities. So New York, Winnipeg, Philadelphia, all three of which are, you know, kind of major hockey markets and and have really rabid fan bases. We talked a little bit about that, um, and then just talked, at, you know, as well about some of the some of the things Kevin likes to do off the ice and, and some of the stories that, that come along with being a professional athlete. So, um, again, as I mentioned, I, I didn't think that this was, this show was ever going to, um, you know, I didn't set out to talk to athletes or professional athletes. And, um, obviously as, as being a sports guy growing up, uh, it's pretty cool to have the opportunity to, to talk to somebody who's in, in Kevin's shoes, uh, in his position right now. And, um, was an awesome interview and was so grateful for his time. Um, so I'll, I'll shut up now, step out of the way, 
great, great interview coming up with Kevin Hayes of the Philadelphia Flyers. Hope you enjoy. just such a different breed of humans than everyone else yeah um i mean we kind of get a lot of stereotypes to be honest uh some guys think we're like the jock assholes some guys think we're the most down-to-earth people uh some guys think that we're the most insane people but then if you ask us we think we're the most normal honestly uh i mean you play a sport i mean you, you play team team sports and there's nothing better than the camaraderie of being on a team and winning winning something together and kind of going to battle together but i think a lot of a lot of hockey guys are they put their eggs in one basket uh mm-hmm. so their whole entire their whole entire life they're like all right it's it's i'm making it to the nhl and that's it uh and i think that kind of gives them the insane little mentality where uh i know for me it was i've been playing hockey since i've been i don't know fuck three years old maybe my brother is three years older than me and my parents just made me hop on the ice with them every single time and mm-hmm. for as long as I can remember I've been telling everyone I'm going to the NHL uh my seventh grade teacher called my parents and told my parents that I need to stop stop writing papers about the NHL because it's a it's a dream that probably won't be accomplished and she's sick of hearing all about hockey for me and have you so, have you sent have you sent your seventh grade teacher a letter now with uh, when you when you yeah, signed no, your she first always, deal? She actually comments on a lot of my stuff and is like, I cannot believe this has actually happened. I'm so happy for you. Um, <laughs> but no, I think I think most of it is just the mentality. Uh, I mean, I can I can strongly say every guy that I've played with has has something different in their mentality about how they go about their business. Uh, I know for me, it's. I'm a super, super casual, outgoing guy away from the rink mm-hmm. uh, where I try try to be friends with everyone. Um, and I, I kind of want to catch up with everyone. And I make sure to kind of talk to as many people as I can away from the rink. But but as soon as I enter into the rink, I just kind of go full, full crazy mode. And yeah, I know I'm only going to be there for I'm only going to be there for a couple hours. And I think ever since I've been younger, my dad's kind of instilled in me his biggest thing growing up with me was if you're going somewhere, you might as well give it 110% and not waste your time, whether it's playing baseball or playing basketball out front or playing wiffle ball down the park. It's just don't waste anyone's time that you that is bringing you there and don't waste your own time. And I, I honestly think I've kind of lived my whole entire life by that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think every time I answer into the rink, it's kind of like, no one's going to fucking stop me from, from what I'm doing. And I think a lot of people have that mentality. So I think that's why hockey guys get labeled as insane. But I also think they're the most outgoing and fun guys around. I would, I would tend to agree with that. I think, uh, you know, does at, at what point do you think it, so it sounds like from, from day one, since you were like, you know, three years old, that was the dream was the NHL. Like at what point did it kind of become real to you that you're like, Oh shit, this is actually, you know, this isn't necessarily just a dream anymore. Like this is this is a thing that could actually really happen. Yeah, because when I was younger, like I'm talking probably ages six to twelve, mm-hmm. I honestly think I was 
I was one of the best guys in the country. It was insane. I was six years old playing against eight and nine years old, nine year olds, and I was scoring like six or seven goals a game. It was, it was insane. I'd, I'd break a stick and my my mom would throw it in the trash, and some guy would run by and pick it up. And be like this kid's gonna play in the NHL someday. And then, but then I went through a phase where I kind of grew too quickly. I got kind of fat. Um, I was kind of more social than into hockey. And yeah. I wasn't really that, that good at hockey anymore until probably like 16, 17 years old. And, and then I remember when I was in high school, my draft year, um, I went to Noble and Greeno. And I mean, we got a lot of students at the games, but outside the parents, there wasn't that many people there. Um, mm-hmm. Probably pretty much like with you and soccer growing up, you just kind of had your parents and right. friends there. Um and then all of a sudden, like by game four, my junior year, there was like 10 NHL scouts there. And then by game 15, there was probably every single NHL scout from every team that was there. And that's when I kind of started to realize, like, all right, uh, there's no one else on the ice that has potential to go to the NHL. So I think mm-hmm. that everyone's here to watch me. And And then we kind of – that's when I started taking it really serious. Uh, I kind of just – stop playing other sports and just focus on hockey and but even when I was at college I still didn't think I was going to make it to the NHL honestly I was a I was a first round draft pick but it was kind of a long shot it was definitely a futures pick and I kind of like partying more than I like playing uh and then I had that I had that big injury my junior year uh mm-hmm. and I came back from the, I came back my senior year uh, I was supposed to sign in Chicago at the end of my junior year but I was injured and I started playing with Johnny Gaudreau my senior year, and we absolutely lit it up. And that's when, that's when I officially knew I was probably going to go to the NHL. Yeah, that's wild. Does did that yeah. come? You know, you're 16, 17 years old. You're in high school. Like, is there a pressure that comes with that? Of oh shit, there are 30 NHL scouts sitting at my game. Like, I just got my driver's license, and this is like, you know, how does how did that? How did you balance that when you were that young? Um, I mean, it was nerve wracking, but, but honestly, like it was just motivational. Like after every game, I would talk to a couple of teams and that's when I really started watching the NHL too. Like I wasn't really a diehard fan growing up, mm-hmm. uh, but once, once they started kind of watching me, I was, I kind of watched every game I possibly could. Uh, my cousins were playing in the NHL. My brother was drafted to the NHL, um, but I don't think there was a lot of pressure. I think it was more just like determination and and more like I want to impress these people for myself but I also want to do it to impress for my parents and also show them that the school I was at was a good hockey school and I think ever since I've left school they've gotten better and better at hockey every year because I would like to think because I went there mm-hmm. um, and, and so I wouldn't call it pressure I would just think it's more motivational to kind of prove people wrong where I was really good when I was younger, and then I kind of stunk, and now I have a chance to show everyone that I'm pretty good again. <laughs> so what a career trajectory. So you mentioned playing with your brother. Yeah. Like what was that? I imagine, you know, having a brother, you know, I'm the oldest of three boys, and so I beat up on my younger brothers. Like, did your brother beat yeah. up on you growing up, and how did that? And, and then ultimately, you ended up playing with him in college. Like, how was that, getting the chance to, to kind of skate with him? Yeah, no, it was awesome. But, yeah, I mean, he was – he's three years older than I am. So he was kind of, his friend group was a little too old for me. 
uh, I would try to sneak out with him as much as I could during the day, but once like the nighttime came, he was like, "All right, get away from us." Yeah. Um, and then, and then every time, hockey-wise, three ages, three years is like a big difference where you never really play with them until you get to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always looked up to my brother. I did every everything that he did. I went to the same high school as him. I played for the same team before high school, same high school. I committed to BC. I got drafted by the same team. We kind of just fell, followed each other. I mean, I followed him. He didn't really follow me. But um, And to be able to eventually play with him at school was, was amazing. Like We still got in our arguments because we were brothers, and I, don't know, I was a cocky freshman, and he was a pretty good junior. Um, but it was amazing. My parents were in heaven uh, that full year. Uh, being able to go to school and kind of – bounce my hockey anxiety off him and kind of my real world anxiety of being a young young freshman and kind of dealing with the real world and being able to kind of help him I mean help him help me during that was was uh something I'll never forget I don't even think he realized how much I appreciate it yeah um, but like it just made my life so much easier like I entered into the school and I played on his line and I was friends with all these juniors because they were I've known them my whole entire life because I used to visit BC um, so it just made my life a lot easier. And then he left after his junior year and signed with the Blackhawks. That's awesome. Do your parents have that those like shitty split jerseys with you know both your teams on them? Now that you've <laughs> you you both gone to just the league, to, just to the NHL. That's it. Uh, when he was in Boston and I was in New York, they had the uh, half New York, half Boston. My sisters had them on. My the whole box had them on. Of course, ha- you got to get those. Yeah. You gotta get a pick for Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so what has it been like now? Obviously, like you know, you you go through this kind of chasing the dream for a long time here, and you get drafted, and um, you know, you move immediately. Your first team, like you got signed by the Blackhawks, but you know, played the bulk of your early career in New York. Like, how was that? You know, probably being in obviously the biggest city in the country and like the biggest media market in the country. Like there's, there's gotta be a lot of attention that uh, is being placed on you when you're, you're living there. So what was that like going from being like a college kid to you're a pro making millions of dollars living in New York city? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was honestly the best times of my life. Uh, I went from a college kid with no money to winning the president's trophy and losing in game seven of the conference finals the next year, living in New York city, making millions of dollars. It was, it was quite the turnaround, but, um, but it was, it was amazing. I mean, the one thing that I'd never realized is a lot of people on the outside think like the NHL is just this big party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's honestly the complete opposite. Um, I learned quickly, but I get it, it's, it's a job like you're in college and you're playing with 23 guys in your team and everyone has the same schedule. Everyone's living in the dorms. No one has wives, no one has kids. And, and you do the same exact thing every time, but you get to the pros and you start competing against guys who need to feed their families and, and are kind of putting their life on the line to provide for, for people. It's, mm-hmm. it's a totally different atmosphere uh, than college. That's why college is the best because you you know you're not going to get sent down to the AHL or anything. Uh, yeah. And you don't make money, so you're not really worried. Uh, but it's it's a little awkward when you're a 20-year-old rookie and 
all of a sudden you're taking someone's spot on the team that the guys on the team that you're with at the moment, we're friends with that guy who's no longer on the team and it's because of you. And, and, um, it's, it's hard to kind of figure it out at the beginning, but, um, once you do, and once people start respecting you, it's, it's the best, the best job in the world, honestly, it's no one has it better than traveling from city to city, staying in the best hotels, playing in front of thousands and thousands of fans and getting paid to do it. Um, but no, at the beginning, it was definitely, it was definitely, uh, definitely quite eye-opening where you, you show up and you think everyone's going to be your best friend, and all of a sudden you leave the rink and you don't get a text message from anyone. Uh, you're eating dinner by yourself to start the season, and and um, it's just, it's a little awkward. But um, and then the whole media and the reporter situation that was crazy I never thought that like there was times where you'd go out and all of a sudden your coach and your GM's asking you like hey what'd you do last night I'm like how the hell did you guys find out about that yeah <laughs> but uh that that's just you just gotta hang out with the right people I was lucky I had two guys three guys uh Rick Nash Mark Stahl and Keith Deandle who kind of took me under their wing uh a couple weeks into the season and those guys are true professionals and and showed you how to act away from the rink, which helped you when you were out the rink. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I can't imagine that transition, like, you know, for me, becoming a, you know, no longer being a college student, you're going out and you're having a good time and you get people, you know, on your side that are kind of looking over your, you're looking over your shoulder and checking in to make sure nobody's, you know, watching what you're doing. How did you balance oh, that of like, you know, obviously you're, you've now like, you've stepped into some money, you're, you know, living in New York city. Like how did, how did you balance that of like being a professional and going to work out every day with the, like, you know, lifestyle of being a professional athlete? No, it was, it was hard for sure. Like, at the beginning it was, it was, I was living out with white plains. I was so nervous that I wasn't going to be on the team that I didn't really party at all. And I didn't really do anything because I lived out in Connecticut, but then once I kind of officially made the team and I was having a really good year and there's so many BC people in New York, all of a sudden I'm going out to dinner every night and I'm hanging with my friends and dinner leads to a drink at the bar. And I'm like, Holy shit. I have practice in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was probably the hardest thing because I'm not chirping my friends or anything, but like they're fucking super excited that I play for the Rangers. They, they think it's cool. They want to go out to dinner with me. And I'm not sure for their jobs either, but they they just had to get up and go to work where I had to go and work out. And I think it was more of a more of a downfall for me mm -hmm. going out till 3 in the morning than it was for them. And uh, it took me a little bit to figure that out. But but, uh, but once I did, you kind of just realized, like, all right, you don't need to party every night. You have, you have bigger things in your plate. And, and I think it was probably – Going into year three is when I really became like a true professional and and figured out how to completely balance my life away from the rink and and out the rink and kind of pick and choose your spots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I I guess what does your you know now that you've kind of made this like it seems like more of a mental transition than anything, but like how, how do you kind of maintain your body now? And what does your like workout regimen look like? And how have you taken that more or less seriously over the years? Like, you know, I feel it. I'm 28 now and my body is 
killing me. Like, I can't imagine for you that that's, uh, you know, as you get older, like, how are you still taking care of your body and, um, you know, making sure that you can, you can still do this job for a long time. No, for sure. That's, it's a hard part of the game. Honestly, it's, uh, my first two years, I don't think I ate healthy once. I don't think I, I would be playing Xbox till about one in the morning every night. Um, and you're young, so you're just working off adrenaline every time you're on the ice. But now it's, now it's definitely like you have to figure out what's, what works best for you. Like for me, I have a nutritionist. I, I see a massage therapist pretty much three times a week in the summer. Um, I work out pretty much every day in the summer. I skate three times a week. Uh, you kind of figure out what works for you, and, and you kind of just – like every year I try to add something into my game where – not even my personal game, just my overall how I attack hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this year, this summer, I kind of did a lot of body work with the people from TB12, and and, um, and I felt amazing all year. And then during the season, I decided to work out more uh, – not heavy workouts, but just work out, try to work out after practice every day. And it gets old, but it, it makes you feel the right way when you're on the ice. And I think that's how some of the guys that last a long, a long time in this league, they, they haven't figured out how to balance their life. And I don't even have a wife or kids and they do, which is more impressive, but you kind of just pick and choose and you see, you pick guys that you want to kind of follow and you kind of, you don't question what they're doing, but you kind of just walk, watch what mm-hmm. they're doing, and, and try to do it, do it to as much as as much as they are. Right. So, like last summer, you signed what was it? It's like a seven year seven year deal or something. So, that's you know that's that's still a ways off to kind of you know play out that long. Um, how how I guess what do you see? One like how long do you want to stay in the league? Like as long as you can. Is there something that you want to achieve, and then you're like, I'll hang it up. Or is it more so like, okay, I'm going to, you know, do this as long as I can. And then like, what comes after hockey? Like, have you, has that crossed, yeah. does that cross your mind at all? Does do you think about that? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's personal goals that I'd like to reach. I would love to play a thousand games. Uh, no, not a ton of people have done that. Uh, this contract gets me pretty close to it. Um, I mean, I want to make enough money where, where my family, and then my brother, my family that I will have, and my mom, my dad, my brothers, and my sisters don't really have to worry about anything. And mm-hmm. I think I'm on my way towards that. Um, but I think I just want to play until I'm not allowed to anymore, honestly. I, I love the sport. I love everything that goes along with it. I love playing in front of the fans. Um, I love meeting new people. And um, I haven't really figured out or thought about what I'm going to do post-hockey. I, I think I'll figure that out when I get there. But... But, um, no, I mean, this is something that I would like to do uh, for a long time. I never, I honestly never thought I'd play one game, and, and now that my goal is to play a 1,000 games, it's kind of surreal for me. And, and uh, hopefully when I'm attacking my 1,000th game, we can, we can re-chat about it. I like that. We'll dive back in seven years from now, see how, you st- how the body's still feeling. Yeah, exactly. so, you, so you mentioned that you mentioned the fans a little bit. You know, you've played now in some, like, some pretty hockey – crazy cities between New York, you're in Philly. Now you went, you know, brief stint in Winnipeg. Like how has that been, you know, dealing with maybe two part question, dealing with the fans and like, what, uh, you know, what do they bring to the table and, and how has that been? Like, do you get recognized when you're out in the streets? And then two are, I got to ask this question, are the NHL groupies 
more or less aggressive than the college hockey groupies? <laughs> I've, I've been really lucky with the three places I've played in. Uh, Madison Square Garden is the most famous arena in the world. The Winnipeg Jets is the most insane fans I've ever played in front of in my life. Um, and then Philly is the most diehard and loyal fan base that there is in the NHL, I think. So I've been lucky with that. Uh, showing up to MSG, and if you ask a lot of guys in the league where their favorite uh, rink to play is, everyone's going to say MSG. And I got to call it my home rink for, for five years, um, and it was amazing. We, we had some unreal teams. Uh, we went deep in the playoffs. We had some unreal memories. I've had some great seasons there. Um, but just walking into the garden every day, like you leave your apartment, you walk on the subway, you take the subway to the game. It's just it's it's insane. Like no one believes you when you say, "Yeah, I take the subway to the game." <laughs> and then and then you go, but at the same time, you're in New York and you can go out, and no one really knows who you are because it's the biggest city in the world and the most famous city in the world. But then you can also go to places where everyone knows who you are in New York. Mm-hmm. And then and then I go to Winnipeg where. I couldn't go anywhere because the whole entire city knew exactly who you were. I got off the plane the day I got traded, and there was news reporters waiting right when I got off the plane. It was it was insane. And you, can't, you go get a cup of coffee, and people sit down and start talking about your game with you from the night before. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's crazy. And then I got traded to Philly just randomly in the summer, and – uh, my agent called me and said, you got traded. I don't know where you got traded to, but you got traded. So then I went a couple hours not knowing. I was on the golf course and my phone was dead and I didn't know where I got traded to. And then and then I went, finally figured out it was Philly. Uh, I flew down there and, and then absolutely fell in love with the city. And, uh, and ever since then, it's been amazing. Uh, people say that I've kind of taken taken like full stride into the city and kind of like I'm in love with it but I think it's the complete opposite I think the fans have kind of totally accepted me and and uh it's been an unbelievable accommodation it's gone way better than I ever expected it to go um and a lot of that has to do with the fans they they kind of like my personality they like my game and and it helps that our team was doing really well yeah what is that what is that like being you know being put on the trading block where you have no fucking clue where you're going. Like, what was that like? I mean, it's, it's definitely awkward and it sucks because I love New York so much. And all of a sudden you're not playing in the final games and people think you're hurt, but you're not hurt because they just don't want you to get hurt. So you can still get traded. And that's when you kind of accepted the fact that, Oh shit, I'm going to get traded soon here. Um, and then you don't know where you're going, but then it's exciting because you're getting traded to a good team that's going to the playoffs and, uh, so it's it's kind of a mix of a ton of emotions, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going somewhere where a team wants you and a team wants to win. Uh, but then this summer, I was supposed to be a free agent, and that's when Philly traded for me. So that was honestly kind of random because I could have just waited until July 1st and chose to go to any team I wanted to. So they kind of they took a big risk by trading for me just so they could have the first conversation with me. Um and then I never even made it to July 1st. I fell in love with Philly, and uh, I signed the contract, and, and it's been great ever since. 
I saw that you have a there's a beer named after you in Philly now. So clearly they've they've yeah. taken you. Like, what was what was that like? How did that come about? Yeah, this this company called Yards uh, approached me, and cause you know IPAs are kind of they have one of them is like hazy H A Z Y. Yeah. So they kind of were like, hey, can can we make a beer with you instead of writing like that? We'll write your name. We'll put your number on it. We'll call it the Big Hazy, and and um, it's. They're pretty good, honestly. They're heavy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest drinking more than like three or four of them. You'll be you'll be on your ass pretty soon with that. Yeah, you'll be in the mods at BC. <laughs> um, maybe you know, kind of building off that a little bit, and how Philly's embraced you. Like I see, you know, you're hanging out with Bryce Harper. You and Gritty are bantering on social media. Like, what has that been like being in these big sports towns where you can kind of, uh, you know, embrace some of the other athletes? in other sports that are, that are playing, yeah. um, in the same city. For sure. I mean, Barstool helped me a ton with that because of the whole team Portnoy thing. And, and I'm pretty tight with Dave and a couple of guys at Barstool. So that's been easy for me. And I honestly think that the easiest way for a fan base to, to either like you or not like you is to just show them your personality. Um, and that's what I try to do. Like, I don't think I'd beg for attention, but I, I think I just be who I am via mm-hmm. social media and you either like it or you don't like it. And, and I think Philly kind of has, has embraced it. And I think it's an easy, easy way to connect with fans because I don't know, some people look at professional athletes as like these, these people that can't be touched that are way cooler than everyone else. And I just think that's total bullshit. I think, I think we're just regular people just like all the other fans, but we just are really good at hockey. So I like to show them that we're not that different. We're similar. Like I play Xbox till two in the morning. I, I drink beers on the weekend. I, I, I love golfing. I, I do the normal shit that everyone else does. It's just, I also am pretty good at hockey at the same time. And I think fans, especially Philly fans kind of appreciate that, that I am a normal person and, and it kind of helps them realize like, Oh yeah, we're kind of like these guys. It's just instead of them watching us, we're watching them. Yeah. I, so I, you have maybe one of the top uh, El Prez goalie challenge performances of all time. I saw yeah. eight, eight out of 10. How, how is, how is that being kind of ingrained in the, the barstool world and, yeah. and smoking the shit out of him? Yeah, no, that was great. Dave's honestly, uh, he gets a bad rep too. Everyone, a lot of people chirp him think he's an idiot. He's, he's one of the kindest, nicest guys in the world. Honestly, he, Everything that I've ever asked him to do, donation-wise or promotion-wise, he has never even asked what it's for. Uh, and I know he does that for a lot of things, unless it's something stupid. And he'll let you know if it's stupid. Um, but, no, he, he's he been uh, huge for me, honestly, in this in the sports world because he kind of promotes me a little bit, and everyone's a Barstool fan. So then they see my personality. They see I'm friends with Dave. They see I'm in, with Barstool. It's, it's kind of a good combination, so – um, but that, I think that was when I was with New York and it was hilarious. He kind of stuffed everyone. And all of a sudden I put up eight goals and he was like, fuck this. I'm not showing anyone this. So he just zoomed <laughs> fast forwarded right through it. Just deleted the whole, the whole episode. Yeah, exactly. So I, it sounds like it's safe to say that the, uh, you know, signing a $50 million contract hasn't, hasn't changed you much at all. No, not at all. I signed my contract in the karaoke bar. <laughs> What's your karaoke song? 
Sex on Fire, Kings of Liam. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll put that as the outro to this to this episode. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Um, maybe I, I don't want to take up too much, too much of your time. So just a couple, couple other yeah. random questions that I got for you. Talk, maybe talk a little bit about, cause this is obviously, this may be a little less, a little more serious, but you had that crazy leg injury in college. Um, like how has that shaped your mindset and stuff and how have you dealt with other injuries since then? And, yeah. um, I assume that was probably like the biggest one of your career. Have there been others that have been kind of scary like that? Uh, nothing close to that. That was that was honestly the the worst, best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, it was a horrible injury. I got compartment syndrome. I was in the hospital for three weeks, four surgeries. Uh, was told that I had to amputate my leg, and was told I'd never play hockey again. And I honestly think that that was the turning point in my career. Uh, I stopped kind of being a shithead and took life serious. I think I became. Uh, a better hockey player, a better person, uh, a better brother, a better son, a better everything, honestly. Uh, when I know it's a cliche statement, but you don't realize what you have until you lose it. And that, I was pretty close to that. And and um, I honestly think it's completely turned my life around. Uh, not that I was a bad person before, but it just made me realize that I, I had a pretty good life going and I wasn't taking it serious. And, and uh I think it was kind of a wake up call and, and um, I would not, I don't think I'd be in the NHL if that never happened. Crazy. Yeah. I, I remember like maybe right after that game, seeing you on the, the training table and it was, and uh, I, I know a scary thing for you. Um, it, yeah, I, it I can't, can't imagine it. Uh, you know, sit definitely changes you for sure. Yeah. Change your mindset at least. Yeah. All right. Uh, Two two more questions for you. One, a couple of best of the best in the NHL. So, one, give me your favorite linesman that you've ever played with, your favorite uh, teammate, and then two, who is the biggest shit talker in the NHL? Okay, uh, the best player that I've played with will probably have to be Rick Nash. Uh, I mean, it was crazy because like when I was getting drafted people were like, who do you compare yourself to? And I said, Rick Nash and Eric Stahl. And then all of a sudden my second year pro, I'm playing with Rick Nash and Eric Stahl. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. Uh, and, and Nash is still a, a super close friend of mine. I golf with him all the time. And he's first overall pick hall of fame ballot. He, he's going to be unbelievable. He's, he's, he's one of the best guys I've ever played with. Um, but for best teammate, I honestly could name about 25 guys. It's I've been lucky. I've had some good guys in my life in the hockey world. Um, best shit talker, uh, probably Scott Lawton. He plays he plays on my team right now. He is. I, I I'm crying laughing when he when he starts shitting on guys. <laughs> are you are you chatting on the ice? Like you you talk a lot? Or are you more keep to yourself? I talk to my teammates a lot. I, I don't say a lot of shit. My rookie year, I was tripping some young kid. I was 21. I was tripping some, like, 19-year-old in Anaheim. And, and Ryan Getzlaff said, if you say another word, I'm going to pound your head in. So ever ever since then, I've kind of quieted down a little bit. And I, I'm kind of just funny on the bench now. That's that's fair. That's fair. You're not trying to get yourself beat up. You've been in, you've been in any fights since you've been come to the NHL? No, I, I've, been, I've been a lover. <laughs> you, like, uh, you like your pretty face. Yeah, exactly. 
All right. Well, last last question for you. This is a, a fan question that was submitted in. So I got I got to ask it. Um, there's, you know, sto- stories of of lore after the bean pots. Um, and, and the people want to know what what went down in the Walsh stairwell after the bean pot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think I had too many drinks to remember. So That's fair. I, don't think That's the, fair. I don't think the true I don't think the true story will ever come out again. That's fair. It stays it stays with the bean pot title. Exactly. Exactly. That is a wrap on this week's episode of Destination Different. Just a fantastic little interview there with Kevin Hayes of the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on cloud nine. If you can't tell, I'm on cloud nine right now. Just awesome having the opportunity to talk to him. Um, I think it'll be insightful for, for the guests of the show, and it was, it was an honor for me to be able to, to sit and talk to him. Um, so, so great conversation and so thankful for, for Kevin taking the time to, to join us on the show. Hope, hope everyone who listens to this one, uh, enjoyed it. I know I did. Again, we're, we're going to keep this train rolling. We've got a couple of other, um, guests in the pipe lined up, uh, for the next couple Wednesdays. So excited about, um, the momentum of things going on here with the podcast. I'll, I'll remind you again, as I, um, have the last couple of weeks, we now have social handles for Destination Different. So Instagram, Twitter, at Destination Different. Check us out. Um, keep up with sort of everything that's going on with the podcast, uh, with upcoming guests, et cetera, et cetera. Um, great place, I think, to, to kind of keep up with what's happening with the, the podcast. So that's one thing. I know the last couple of weeks I've also done shout outs. I think we're going to launch a contest here in the next week or so. Um gonna give out some some stickers, some swag to guests who leave reviews of the podcasts because we need more reviews. Um that's how people find the show. And right now I'm looking at as great as this is, there are seventeen five star reviews on Destination Different on the iTunes store. I think we can get that to at least thirty. So that's my ask is you know people dive in there leave a review. We had a great one come in. So the the most recent review is maybe the nicest thing anybody's ever said about me. So brace yourselves. One of a kind mixture of fun, value, and guests you can't find anywhere else. That's damn right. We've got a NHL superstar on today's show. Such a great combination of unique but interesting guests, useful advice on business, career, and life, and a healthy dose of weird and fun. A lot of a lot of weird and fun. Ryan is a thoughtful, hilarious interviewer who gets the best out of his eclectic guests. Highly recommend this pod as an alternative to the ones who just have the same guests on over and over for their tired book tours. Thank you. That comes from Matt Rednitsky. What a what a just fan. I mean, I'm blushing. That's it's so kind. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna launch a little contest, getting some people in there uh, to leave reviews. Uh, we'll be posting some of the best ones and some of the funniest ones on our social channels. 
But that's that's my ask of you. If you if you listen, if you enjoyed this show, get in there, leave it a review. Uh, hopefully, we can continue to grab some some more big guests like like we had today. That's a wrap. That's it for this week. I hope again everybody is staying healthy, staying safe, being mindful of of kind of the time spending outside and um, those sorts of things. We'll be back again next week, next Wednesday, with another episode of Destination Different. Until then, stay weird. And I had a dream. You gave me superpowers. We fell in love for just a couple hours. I can't tell the difference Between what's fake and what's been missing Often I'm misunderstood So I'm looking for a better me This is your love song, baby I hope that you know the word